0: Welcome back to Is It Horror? This is Season 2, Episode 10, Black Swan. I'm Joe. I'm Matt. I'm Mitch. And I am Steve. Each episode, we analyze a piece of media, usually a movie whose horror status is debatable. We look at the creator's intent, audience reception, and the content of the media, all in an effort to better define the horror genre. If you agree with our take, awesome. If you don't, that's awesome too. Horror is a diverse genre, and all are welcome. And before we get into the film, we will go to Joe's Get to Know You corner. Let's skitter over to the corner.
1: Thanks for uh, skittering on over here. So here we are at the beginning of 2023, which is crazy to me. Um, But uh, I was just thinking about, uh, well, and this was a suggestion from Steve, too, as like what, what horror movies coming out in 2023 are you most excited about? And uh, I guess I'll go ahead and get us started. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming out this year, and I f- have a feeling that probably we'll have some overlap on what we're excited about. Uh, but I guess the, f- the things that first come to mind for me uh, are Scream, the new Scream movie coming out, Evil Dead Rise, uh, the new Exorcist movie. Uh, there's one that I hadn't heard of before that's called 65. It's uh, a Adam Driver uh, movie, and it's I can't remember right now who uh, is directing it, but it's um, produced by Sam Raimi, and uh, it's a uh, I'm I'm not positive it's horror. It, I saw it in a horror list, but anyways, it looks interesting. It looks like a, maybe like somebody, in, uh, Adam Driver's character in a spaceship in the future accidentally maybe goes back in time and uh, is in like a like dino infested world (laughs) I I think it's supposed to be earth I think he just went back in time anyways I'm not sure on on a lot of the details but the trailer looked interesting and anyways I'm kind of excited about that one and then there's also Renfield which looks fun and the last voyage of the Demeter Uh, those are the ones I guess that are kind of top of my list for what I'm excited about.
2: For me, um, I definitely am excited for Evil Dead Rise, Uh, Scream 6, obviously. I'm just looking we kind of had a list of things that we were looking at beforehand. But um, those are the two that I'm really excited for. I'm pretty sure that that Winnie the Pooh movie is going to be bad, but I'm also interested in it too.
0: <laughs> like
2: yeah. I'll definitely, yeah. I'll definitely <laughs> yeah. give it a watch, but it's probably gonna be bad.
3: Yeah, so. I gotta say the Winnie the Pooh movie is my number one most anticipated horror movie because what even is that gonna be like? I have no <laughs> expectations or idea where that could possibly go. So that's my number one. But also, the Evil Dead and The Exorcist are other ones that I'm most interested in seeing
2: I really hope in the Winnie the Pooh one they like really lean into it and he's just like oh bother yeah they like smack him in the back of the head with a chair and he just turns around slowly oh bother
0: that's what he says after he kills someone (laughs) yeah and he has to grease himself up with blood at least once to get through a hole to get to the victims.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he's got to, like, rip through somebody's stomach and, like, eat blood from them like it was a honey pot. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 my God, that's disgusting.
0: Oh, that'd be amazing.
1: There better be some heffalumps and woozles in there. That's all I'm saying.
3: Yeah, those are actually kind of scary.
2: Yeah, those scared me as a kid.
3: They did. They did
0: to me, too. <laughs>
2: Is Winnie the Pooh already horror? Yes.
0: (laughs) Wow. I think for me, um, definitely Evil Dead Rise is probably at the very top of my list because I've been excited for another installment about that. We'll talk about that in just a sec, actually. But uh, other stuff that's on my radar, I have been hurt so many times by M. Night Shyamalan, but I'm intrigued by the knock at the cabin because sometimes this stuff works for me. I don't have high hopes, but I'm curious to see what that one ends up being like. I'm also excited for Scream Six. obviously, we reviewed Scream Five and we talked about whether the first scream was horror, so there's that uh Renfield definitely looks nuts and hopefully a good way right and then i'm i am i i am excited to see the Exorcist, but also i feel like david gordon green like he did such a good job with halloween 2018 i'm willing to give him a lot of a lot of credit based on that and but i wasn't blown away by halloween kills or halloween ends so i'm a little uncertain about how i feel about it now so i guess there's that
1: isn't it a, a trilogy coming out too like three whole movies thought i'd heard
0: Yes, that is accurate based on at least what I've heard most recently as well. The other thing that I'm excited about is, uh, so Mia Goth starred in both X and Pearl by Ty West. And I am curious to see what Maxine, the third movie in that series, ends up being like. As well as she's going to be in another movie infinity pool which actually just comes out later this month so i i don't know she really wasn't on my radar before as an actress but i think she's been killing it in the stuff i've seen her in so far so i'm kind of excited both for infinity pool and for maxine i don't think there's a release date yet on maxine but anyhow there's a lot of good stuff coming out this year and uh I thought it would be fun to have a little bit of a trailer reaction to the Evil Dead Rise trailer. I know we had Scream Six trailer and a few other trailers, but we love Evil Dead here, or at least I do. And so, so so we're doing this. so <laughs> Evil Dead Rise trailer reactions. Let's go around. What do you got?
1: All right, well, for me, uh I I don't know, it looks. It looks very intriguing. I'm excited about it. it. Seems like it'll have high production quality. I have a little bit of um I don't know. I'm not sure if this will be a thing, but I guess at least the trailer seemed to lean pretty heavy on the uh gore and like trying to like it's already trying to like gross you out. Maybe it's trying too hard. That uh I I don't know. Maybe that's not fair. Maybe they were just Trying to put all that into the trailer because uh, that's what's maybe expected from this. Uh, I just I just hope that it's not, it doesn't the story doesn't suffer for that. Um, and I, may, again, maybe that's unjustified because there's plenty of that in the other Evil Dead movies. Twenty Thirteen had plenty of that, and it still I felt was a good story and had good character development. But uh, but yeah, I. I am I'm very excited about it
2: yeah I think it looks really cool Um, from some of the trailers it was like there were a lot of it seemed like there were a lot of references to the shining in it Um, I'm sure that was probably purposeful because the shining is just super iconic But, like, the whole imagery of the blood from the elevator and then the room with the woman in the bathtub. And, um, like, it seems like they're kind of maybe paying a lot of homage to that for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, it's great. I just didn't expect that. But otherwise, it looks like it's really cool. kind of looks like it's staying true to the Evil Dead roots, kind of, with just that idea of somebody being there and then being possessed and then other people having to survive that kind of ultra violence and like, cause the first evil dead and the second, especially the first evil dead is just kind of this really sort of wacky violence possession kind of thing going on. And it seemed like they are trying to be real true to that. So I have high hopes for, for it being good.
3: I'm I'm interested just because it looks like a good movie. But as for it being part of the Evil Dead series, um I'm not that invested in it for that reason. I don't know. It just it just doesn't feel truly Evil Dead without Ash. Like really it doesn't. <laughs> I hate to say it, but
0: I Get that. I had a conversation actually with somebody today at work about that same idea, and they were kind of like, you know, they didn't want to see this one because Bruce Campbell's not in it, and they hadn't seen Evil Dead 2013 because Bruce Campbell wasn't in it. Yeah. And I understand that because he's so iconic within the horror genre, he's so involved in Evil Dead that it's hard to separate him out, but the Evil Dead 2013. I know that there are a lot of people that don't agree on this out there. It seems like it's still fairly divisive in the horror community, but I loved that movie. It was to me so good. And I think it did a good job of, like Joe said, it had a good story, but it did have that kind of, I don't know horror endurance side of things like the original was attempting to do where it was kind of like a roller coaster ride and see if you can you know make it through the roller coaster ride kind of thing because it is supposed to be the Evil Dead franchise is always aimed to be a little bit shocking so I definitely think that there's the Evil Dead 2013 movie carried that torch in that way even if it didn't have ash in it and I hope that this one will do the same thing because I really just want to see this universe continue in some form. And I, I, the big thing I want out of this movie is I want it to connect up, obviously, with the rest of the Evil Dead universe. Because there's two schools of thought on the Evil Dead 2013. Is the one that it is a reboot and completely separate. And others like myself who feel like it's in continuity... Since you already have to kind of do a little bit of mental gymnastics to fit everything in continuity, then I'm willing to do a little bit to include that. So what I'm hoping for is that this movie clearly sets itself in the same universe as Ash and the other movies so that there's no question where it is. At least that's my hope.
3: Yeah.
1: That would be cool. It'll. I feel like it's going to be, it's a bit of a tone shift because it's not like in a cabin in the woods. Um, you know, and I guess that was a thing that I was unclear on the, uh, from the trailer. It seems like there is a portion that's at a cabin in the woods, but then there's also like a city portion too. So I wonder how much will take place in each location.
0: I did wonder about that. A lot of the press for it has talked about that it's specifically going to take place in this high rise apartment complex. I mean, that's part of why it's called evil dead rise. But then they didn't mention anything about any sort of outdoor cabin part. So I guess right now I'm interpreting that as some kind of flashback.
2: Mm, that, that makes sense. They could do Evil Dead 6 and it can be in New York and they can be on subway trains and stuff.
0: Oh shit, I've never seen that before in a horror movie recently. So that'll be good. <laughs> um, what did you guys think about the characters that you saw on it like are there any you're already kind of interested and curious about what did you think about the deadite in the film how did that come across
2: i like that there was a a child involved i always kind of like when children are involved in horror movies to me it adds like kind of a more sense of maybe not realism, but it it just adds a different perspective to the whole situation. Uh, It can be potentially very good when you add that perspective. It can also be really bad if you have just a poor child actor, which obviously isn't necessarily the child's fault. Uh, But I'm excited for that aspect of it.
1: Yeah, I uh, really, I'm excited. I, I guess it seems like the one, the, our, Probably our main character's sister seems like a good character, and I hope she has good characterization. And, uh, you know, she looks like she's going to be hardcore and finds a chainsaw at some point, gets all bloody, and knows how to lie to
0: kids. So, yeah. (laughs) I really like that line, too. It's like, you'll make a good mommy, Auntie Beth. You know how to lie to kids. Like, I don't know. There's just that line gets me.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: I think that line kind of encompasses why I sometimes like children in horror, because I think that we tend to underestimate children and what they're capable of and what they can understand. Uh, So hopefully that line signifies that they're going to do a good job with her.
0: Do you have a... I guess my next question would just be, do you have any thoughts on who you think is going to make it through the film? Cause they're like, I've got three kids. There's the blonde little girl that has lines and the other two that are definitely going to die.
2: Well, I think you're kind of led to believe in the trailers that this main girl that has the lines is going to make it. Um, And it's really hard to kill a kid in a horror movie too um i can think of one situation where they did it which was um dr sleep and that was a r- kind of a really horrific scene so it's very hard to do it's definitely a sensitive thing to do so but i you kind of led to believe that she's going to survive by that trailer but you don't know <laughs> i i'm thinking the others are probably canon fodder though
0: I think they, I don't want to like spoil it for anyone who hasn't noticed, I guess. So at least I didn't go through it with a fine tooth comb, but there was at least one sequence where I was like, okay, that's definitely at least one of the kids as a deadite. So yeah, definitely that one's going to die. I was thinking while I was watching it. So I I don't know. I do feel like the Evil Dead 2013 trailer ended up spoiling a bit of that. Um, There's a, I guess I won't spoil it here, but there's kind of, There is a twist within that film and because I remembered sequences from the trailer I kind of saw the twist coming and I hope that this movie has some surprises in it because I would say on the face of it it, to me right now watching the trailer I feel like it gives you everything here's who lives here's who dies Uh, I, I just hope that it's not as as obvious as it looks like it is I hope there's some twists. anyway any other any other thoughts on this trailer before we head to uh the movie want
1: some scrambled eggs
0: yeah and to just crawl inside your family Inside, okay
2: (laughs) 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 so i am going to be introducing the movie today today's movie is the 2010 film *Black Swan*, uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky, uh, who also directed the movies *Pi*, *Requiem for a Dream*, *The Wrestler*, *Mother*, and I think most recently *The Whale*, uh, which is receiving a lot of uh, acclaim right now.
1: Have any of you guys seen that?
2: I haven't seen it, um, but I've you know obviously heard good things.
1: Okay. Sorry to interrupt. I I was, I've been very curious about it. I want to see it, but
2: anyways. Yeah, obviously, uh, Brendan Fraser, cool guy. So like to see more of him. So maybe I'll check it out one day. Maybe it's horror. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe. So uh, Darren Aronofsky, he had been wanting to do a movie in the ballet world, and he had become interested in Swan Lake and the duality of the Swan Queen character playing both the white and black swan, which uh, definitely is kind of the main focus of the film. Uh, the film was written by Andrew Heinz. Uh He wrote a script called The Understudy, Uh, And he doesn't have many credits, but he did direct a film called Origin of the Species in 1998. Uh, Also written with John J. McLaughlin. Uh, He reworked the script for The Understudy into Black Swan, incorporating the Swan Lake conception. Uh, He also wrote Parker, the 2013 movie, and he wrote some TV shows, including Point Pleasant and Carnivale. The third writer was Mark Heyman. Uh, He'd worked on The Wrestler with Aronofsky and was brought in to do a final pass on this script. He also co-produced The Wrestler and executive produced Mother, which was the other one of uh, Darren Aronofsky's films. uh, And he wrote The Skeleton Twins. The back of the box description for Black Swan 2010 is as follows. Nina a featured dancer at the New York City Ballet finds herself locked in a web of competitive intrigue with a new rival at the company. Black Swan is a thrilling and at times terrifying journey through the psyche of a young ballerina whose starring role as the Swan Queen turns out to be a
0: part for which she becomes frighteningly perfect. So uh, as far as the intent goes, there, I had a few different interviews that I found with Aronofsky and there's at least one that references I guess, his opinion on the genre a little bit later, but we'll cover at least a couple here. He was on Charlie Rose with uh, Natalie Portman and Charlie Rose had been showing different clips, so he happened to show a few clips that mostly featured the ballet side of things with, without really getting into the meat of the story just yet. And so uh, after the one clip, Charlie Rose, he, he chimes in and says about Aronofsky, he's like, he, he doesn't want you to think of this film just about ballet. He wants you to know that there's intrigue here. There's danger here. There's conflict here. What else? And then Aronofsky responds with horror. You know, there's a lot of scares in it, too. We went back to Swan Lake, the ballet, and tried to take the actual ballet and translate it into a movie. Swan Lake is really, you know, a fairy tale. There's often very gothic and horrific elements in it and melodrama. And then in another interview with Critics' Choice, Aronofsky said of the film, I think the first half of the film kind of sets up the audience that this is sort of a documentary. And then sort of when it goes into this psychological horror film, I think it helped with, you know, scaring the hell out of people. So he's clearly thinking of it as a horror film. And then looking at the meta tags across streaming services and search engines for this, I uh, had eight services labeled it as drama, seven labeled it as a thriller, three labeled it as suspense, one as a mystery, and then one labeled it as psychological horror, and one labeled it as just horror. So there's, it's not as prevalent, at least for different sites to label as horror, but it is there. As far as uh, search trends go, uh, there's it doesn't black swan. Looking at both Google and Wikipedia, it has very slight bumps in searches in October. It's it's really just a mild uptick, so it's it's very faint. But I would say it's at least a little bit there. So at least some people are thinking about it a little bit more during the Halloween season. So let's go around. What did everybody think? Black Swan, is it horror?
1: Well, I guess that so that information on like the search trends is kind kind of makes a lot of sense to me. I end up saying that I think this is maybe just on the cusp of horror. I will call it horror, but there's a lot of parts to it that I anyways, I guess the point is like this isn't ever a movie I would think of as a halloween movie i'm not i wouldn't search for it during halloween which is i don't know so i guess that takes away it's definitely more on the psychological horror for me i guess
2: uh i definitely will say that it is horror definitely does fit more into the psychological horror but I still feel that that's enough to say that it is horror, so I, I I say horror.
3: Um, this one's hard for me. I've been going back and forth on it, like constantly in my head, between psychological horror or psychological thriller, and I guess we can talk about how those two things overlap. But then I was thinking about when we did the lighthouse and how there's a lot of similarities between this movie and The Lighthouse and how we're not ever really sure if what's happening is real or in the person's head. And I called that movie horror, so I'm going to go ahead and call this one psychological horror with a star next to it, as in I could be swayed the other direction.
0: Same as mitts, I went back and forth on this one quite a bit because I had never really... Thought of it as horror previously. I thought of it as kind of a thriller. But the more I looked into it and kind of seeing how Aronofsky viewed it and thinking about just some of the elements of his movies tending to try to elicit a feeling of discomfort from his audience, and definitely if anyone here has been, you know, emotionally traumatized by requiem for a dream or mother you can sort of understand that he's definitely his his movies definitely elicit a, rea- a reaction and i would say that his intent combined with how that reaction was for me in watching it that i'm willing to label it as psychological horror i think that that makes sense to me but it took a while to get there so uh digging into it, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit, I guess, on the tone side of things first. And Mitz kind of referenced this too, so I'm going to I'm gonna reference it again because I agree. Um, Aronofsky and Wikipedia describe this film as psychological horror. We haven't covered too many films in that genre, but I was thinking about The Lighthouse and I was also thinking about The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, do you think that there are different metrics for what makes something psychological horror versus just standard run-of-the-mill horror or other horror genres in general.
3: For me, I think what sets a psychological horror apart from a typical horror is... In a typical horror movie, the threat or the scary thing is something outside of the main character, whereas in a psychological horror, they are experiencing the scary thing within them, as in perhaps it's like mental illness or... Um, disease or something that is causing them to perceive the scary thing or become the scary thing.
1: I think that's the thing in this one for me that's a little different than like say Lighthouse or some... This one, one of the reasons I was leaning a little towards not horror is she kind of ends up like not being a danger to anybody but herself. And not that that's not still a danger. But, like, even when she, uh, you know, stabs the other ballerina, it turns out that was all just in her head, too. I don't know. That maybe took it away from me a little bit. If, if that other ballerina would have gotten killed for sure, then, then it's like, okay, this girl is unstable and will hurt people. And it seemed a little different to me.
3: So I have a question about that. I, I guess it's for clarification. Did she end up killing Beth, the the one in the wheelchair who she went to visit?
0: Well, I think because... that's- Good question. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's really left open-ended. I mean, you never hear or see from Beth again, and because you can't trust her other act of violence, it's, I feel like the reveal later that Mila Kunis's character is fine leads me to think that probably Beth is fine, too. But, you know, who knows? It's open to interpretation. Whatever anyone thought just as valid.
3: That part is confusing because, you know, in her delusion, Beth was stabbing herself. But when she looks down, she's holding the knife. So the reveal is that she, she was holding, holding the, knife? the knife. Right, exactly. I don't know. Because that would I don't know. Would that change anything? I'm not sure. Cause she's, I don't think it would change anything for me because it's still her who is experiencing the, the transformation into the monster, the horror movie monster.
1: I mean, I was still, I still called it horror, but I think if it was set in stone, like if we got a scene at the end of the, at the end of the movie that was outside Natalie Portman's character and it's like, oh yeah, she totally like put a nail file through this, this other the uh, beth's character then that that would put it more in the horror category for me because it's like yeah she's unstable and murdering people like uh that's i don't know that it would be more horror for me if
2: we found that out
0: yeah i think that that makes sense to me too
2: yeah if if i think the the thing that makes it psychological is that the the conflict is internal and then if she was actually ended up if we did find out that she was going around killing people then it definitely turns into a different movie
0: (laughs) i guess along with that because i did have some questions on this and you know i might as well bring it up now is do you feel that the film means to imply that the supernatural elements that you're seeing are all in nina's head or do you feel that uh that there was intended to be an external force. I guess for me, I feel like it's supposed to all be in her head. But what what do you guys think? Is there some supernatural element at play external to Nina?
2: I'd say no, that everything is happening internally. That was my takeaway as well.
3: Yes, definitely. And,
0: and then I guess going along with the idea of that externality with showing whether or not Beth had been stabbed by Nina... Uh, if this so say you take this entire movie and somehow at the end of it you tack on an ending that feels right with the tone of the rest of it and it clearly confirms in that final moment that there was some external force responsible for what she was going through would that make the film feel more clearly horror to anyone would that change things or would you feel like that was about the same as far as your classification goes
2: yeah i i do think that does make it a different movie in a way if like if it kind of be like a Stephen King novel right where you finally like you find out it's aliens at the end or something it definitely changes the whole <laughs> tone of what's going on
3: yeah that would be a totally different movie <laughs> the day i became a goose
0: <laughs> yeah
2: yeah it actually is just a very large goose that has <laughs> telepathic powers
0: You get it in profile in the final scene, then it turns towards the camera and just like,
3: it's a cautionary tale (laughs) against bird flu. (laughs) This is what you
2: get when you feed the ducks at the park.
3: This is why you should wear your mask.
0: That's right. You need to feed them duck food, not just bread. (laughs) I guess for me, at least going back a little bit to the psychological horror question, I kind of related a little bit and we'll talk about body horror in a moment, but I kind of related as... in a a way very connected to body horror because body horror is the corruption of the flesh and of the human form that we're used to whereas psychological horror is the corruption of the psyche and you know the mental the mental side of a human that we're used to so i feel like they're both kind of similar in that way of corrupting The norms that we experience about ourselves. And so that's kind of how I tend to view psychological horror is it's it's that internal warping is what is one of the hallmarks of it. I was trying to look up different examples of psychological horror films and a lot of different sites cite a lot of different movies, but they all seem to go back to. As some of the best ones out there, like movies like Get Out, The Duke, Silence of the Lambs, Seven, Psycho, The Shining, Sixth Sense, Hereditary, The Thing. I thought it was kind of an interesting conglomeration of films seeing as a list. But I guess I was kind of curious, at least tangentially to this, if you guys viewed all of those as psychological horror films. Or do you think like some of them definitely don't count? Do you think that this movie belongs in that list?
3: Some of those movies I I think are full on horror beyond psychological. Like uh, the shine or not the shining, excuse me, S- seven and S- seven and psycho. To me, are full on horror.
1: I feel like the thing is too.
3: Yes. Yes. And the thing, and Silence of the Lambs.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Some of them are kind of like I guess we sort of have to establish what the definition of psychological horror is because we're kind of talking about how it's maybe things that are internal forces in your mind, but this is sort of talking about people that external forces that are attacking the mind. So that's kind of like, is that, is that also psychological horror, I guess? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah,
0: I think so. I think any sort, of, any sort of film where the main drama is coming from the idea that one or more of your characters are not able to trust how they're perceiving reality any longer to me that I think is maybe at the core of what psychological horror is. Maybe that's the connective tissue between all of these things, because yeah, it's external and get out, but, but you also have him not being sure of what it is that he's seeing and what he's experiencing and feeling like maybe he's going crazy. And you've given more evidence in that film that that's not the case, but I don't know. And then psycho, I guess you're not exactly taking a tour with Norman Bates and his mind on what's going on in there, but his kind of like, break with reality i think it's a lot easier for me to i guess put in the psychological horror category of that listing things like uh the shining the sixth sense and hereditary those all kind of make sense to me get out kind of makes sense to me the Duke kind of makes sense to me silence of the lambs silence of the lambs and seven and the thing i have a harder time putting in that category but i i think i get why people feel that way about it i wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as to say they're wrong. I just don't feel like it's the main feature of those films.
3: And I think, I think a film can be psychological horror and other genres of horror. So, I mean, for sure, but I don't think that the black Swan has any other genres besides, well, besides maybe body horror.
0: We've kind of talked about the body horror aspect a little bit, so I'm going to skip around a little bit on my outline, and I figure let's, let's go ahead and dive into that. So for a Prime Video UK interview with Helen Cowley, she had asked him, uh, The supernatural elements are interesting, and I don't want to talk about it too much. You've mentioned that you kind of see it as a werewolf film. That's interesting. Tell us a bit about that. And then Aronofsky replies with, Well, you know, when I was doing early research, I was hanging out with this famous dancer, Julie Kent, from the ABT in New York, and I was saying, what exactly are you? She's like, well, you know, a magician, an evil magician came along and put a spell on me, and I guess it's a half-swan, half-human creature, and this is the story of Swan Lake. And I'm like, half-human, half-swan? Well, that's interesting, because that's a werewolf this is going to be fun doing this with Natalie Portman, you know, taking this delicate creature and turning her into some other type of creature. So end quote there. Um, So basically him kind of viewing the description of Swan Lake is basically a type of werewolf story. And uh, so the film features numerous examples of small and kind of large scale transformations of Nina's character into a were-swan, if you will. And do these transformation sequences and general kind of corrupted flesh sequences equal body horror to you? Do you feel like that's a category you could put this film into?
1: I think for me, uh, I don't know. There's kind of two sides to it, I feel like. There's like the transformation side of it where you do get those scenes where she's turning into a black swan. You get her, like, pulling the feather out of herself and that kind of thing, and then, like, taking on some actual characteristics of a black swan. She has wings in the one dance and all that stuff. And that stuff to me, like, I don't know. I don't put that in, like, a horror-level type thing. Maybe a little bit. But the stuff that's more, like, I guess horrific to me is, or the things that are a little more uh that make me think body horror more is like the scenes where she like her toes feel like they're sticking together and then she takes her other one off and like they're all like fused together and everything and it's like kind of this grotesque mass of a foot and like i i guess stuff like that is more on the like horrific body horror type stuff to me
0: and when I say small scale, I, the other thing I'm thinking about in terms of this too is just the idea of like her her constant sort of scratching and like pulling skin pieces off. Like I think one of the most cringy scenes for me is like her seeing the little like hanging piece of flesh next to the fingernail and then like yanking it off and having it like cut up the finger. Um, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that Ugh. is terrible.
3: It hurts like just watching it. Man, hangnails already hurt
2: they definitely use, use that kind of stuff to like build the tension in the movie i think and like how she's always freaking getting cut and her mom's cutting her nails and cuts her finger and it's just like she the girl's just bleeding and getting cut everywhere and then like and then sometimes you know because of the unreli- unreliable narrator thing sometimes she's not actually cut it's definitely they use that to build the tension that like anything can happen at any moment like with her
0: Do you feel like these sequences kind of added to that contribution of calling it horror, calling it psychological horror? If we took these out entirely, do you feel like it would still be horror?
2: Well, these definitely add to the psychological horror aspect because you they establish that you can't really ever trust her injuries, whether they're real or not real, uh, so that contributes to the steady decline of her mental state Uh, and then obviously the body horror aspect i think anybody who's seen this film you know one or multiple times will probably remember her pulling that feather out of herself or pulling that hangnail and those are i think those are body horror scenes in my opinion so
3: i think the most body horror scene i don't know if anyone mentioned this yet but is when she's standing in her room and her legs break and move back like a bird. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, you're yeah. actually like <laughs> this is messed up."
2: You actually birding out, girl.
3: You are birding out
0: now, full swan. Where swan? There swan.
3: <laughs> I do think the um, the little the smaller injuries are really interesting to making it psychological horror because at first you're not sure why she has the injuries you're assuming it's because she's a ballerina and then you kind of get to find out that there's most of them are self-inflicted injuries and i i think that this whole movie is a commentary on the stresses of being a performer a ballerina specifically but also just a woman a young woman and you get to see how You get to see the physical result of the stress of all of those things by her injuries. So, I don't know. It definitely, definitely adds to the tension. Because they they show her stress in other ways. You know, her eating disorder and her relationship with her mom and her mom being very manipulative. But the the injuries add to, like, the physical manifestation of that. Which I think is a good addition.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with all that. One of the things I thought about her mom, too, and I don't know if you guys... I was kind of curious, I guess, with your take on it, whether, aside from the horror classification or not, I think when you first start out with the movie, at least for me, it's easy to look at her mom and say, like, her mom is a villain. Like, she's just this bad lady that's trying to control her daughter. And there's definitely manipulative things like the cake thing and a couple things that she does. But then I guess as Nina's mental state deteriorates I couldn't help but wonder if it's not so much it's Nina's perception that her mom is smothering her but really maybe her mom's like you've had a few mental breaks I know that you have trouble keeping your grip on reality and not hurting yourself so like maybe her mom is really just her caretaker like it is her mom but her mom is Taking care of her because she knows how fragile she actually is and some of the worst aspects of her mom are just Nina imagining that she's being kept under lock and key when really her mom's just trying to keep her from hurting herself or others I don't know. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think the the relationship with her mom is very interesting and I think like you said about the situation with the cake I think that was probably the only situation where I thought maybe her mom was being too much and being manipulative but also kind of looking at it from that perspective of her mom was a dancer and her mom knows what went through or what kind of things dancers go through with body issues and food and uh, she overcame that and she sees her daughter falling into that same stuff so when her daughter's like oh I you know I can't eat cake and her mom's like shit 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 like Like I see you falling into the things that I that I fell into or that are kind of a trope of this Lifestyle this profession Um, So even that scene I thought It was manipulative, but I also kind of can see Why? It was happening that way, too Uh, And I also thought it was interesting that throughout the movie whenever you're looking at Nina in different scenes Sometimes they make her look like her mom. Sometimes they make her look like uh, the other girl, Mila Kunis' character. Uh, even when Nina's looking at the paintings that her mom has in her room, uh, if you look kind of closely or stop from the paintings, like you can't really tell exactly who the paintings are of. Like some of them look like Nina, some of them look like her mom. So that whole inter- that there's definitely that whole aspect of. Her mom sort of living vicariously through her in a way. But I don't really feel like she's meant to be shown as ill-intentioned, really. I think it's just... I think, like you said, it is sort of Nina just falling apart.
3: I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I have actually a pretty similar relationship with my mom, who is also overbearing but over-caring. So I can see how... Nina could both feel pressured by her mom to, like, live up to everything she wants her to be, but also how the mom is just seeing that her daughter is crumbling and trying to protect her.
0: The other thing I was going to see, just, I guess, before we sort of leave the body horror topic. um, So we had talked about at least one other film during this season that had at least some degree of what we would describe as or at least debated whether it was body horror and I was just thinking about the pig sequence in Willow and I was kind of curious just the comparison there like how do you how do you feel the sequences in this movie compared to that I think at least for myself thinking about it one is just maybe the volume of it is part of it but uh, I guess was kind of curious your thoughts on that comparison if we're at least skirting with the idea of whether or not this would also belong in the body horror category, as far as horror goes.
1: I think for me, like there, it's uh, it's kind of that the like transformation thing. Like in Willow, you've got all the characters, or yeah, they're being transformed into a known thing. They're being transformed into pigs. Um, and in this, you kind of get a similar thing with like, she's being transformed into a swan. Um, and those, you know, the transformation sequences, I think in both could be, you know, considered that type of body horror, but what pushes this over the edge for me and, and makes it more horror for me is, um, more the other type of body horror, I guess the more just like kind of, you know, grotesque you know, webbed foot and that type of stuff that I already that I already mentioned.
2: Yeah, I think that about sums it up. Uh there's definitely a lot more going on and there's kind of more grotesque results that are meant to sort of shock you than I think was happening in Willow. So uh I think I would say this film is maybe Firmly cemented in like the 30%, 25% body horror range, if I had to like put something on it like that. Whereas, you know, that scene in Willow is maybe like 1%, 2% overall of everything. <laughs> yeah, it seems
0: fair. Yeah, I could go with that. So, one of the things at least I think about in terms of this film is that I think that. I think personally, this movie does a good job of building tension throughout it. And uh, I wanted to see if you guys, one, agreed with that, and what are some of the ways that you noticed that the film built tension for you while watching it?
1: I think it it certainly builds tension um, in a lot of ways, and I th- in a lot of ways we've already mentioned. And I think that there's a, a big part of it is well, uh, one of the things that builds tension is sort of um, w- what was already mentioned where like sometimes, you know, she looks like the mom. and Sometimes she looks like Mila Kunas' character. And there's sort of that like kind of hinting at the unstableness throughout the movie. And, you know, whenever there's a like shadowed character, it's a little hazy who it actually is and that kind of thing. Um, so I think that starts early on. Um one of the things that maybe takes away takes the like tension away for me or it doesn't take it away but it kind of shifts it a little bit is just i i found myself as i was watching this movie i got to a point where i was like okay well i really and we've already discussed this but like i really can't trust anything that's going on so this is an interesting like introspective on nina's character but. What is actually going on? I have no idea. And I can't really. I can't really trust anything I'm seeing. So. uh, That kind of took the. Tension away for. For me. Honestly.
3: See ironically. That's what. For me. That's what kept. The tension. Building for me. Because. uh, I, I felt like. I was locked in the whole time. Trying to figure out the answers to everything because just when you feel like you know what's going on something changes or you find out something wasn't real so i guess another example of that would be like nina's relationship with mila kunis's character because it's constantly being flip-flopped for me as a viewer should i trust me what is what was her name again mila's character i don't know lily lily should i trust lily is Lily really out to get this role? Is, is she totally right? Because sometimes she acts weird. and and, and then, Or is Lily just trying to be her friend and she's totally innocent and she's just trying to join this dance crew? And then you're constantly going back and forth not knowing if what's going on is really going on or Nina, Nina's perception is just out of whack. Same with the mom. And even with the dance instructor, the the main guy, you're never really sure if he's nefarious or he's just trying to have the best show. The intentions and not knowing them for me is, is really something else that builds tension.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you touched on that because even like outside of the sort of horror elements of her not being able to, of you not being able to trust what's going on with her injuries and the intentions of the people around her and what she's seeing. um, They also kind of build tension and like, you can just sort of feel the anxiety and the, the tension (laughs) uh, as like a palpable thing when it's just her trying to be good. Like you can feel the tension of her just trying to be perfect in her perfectionist sort of way. So even when the movie isn't maybe building horror tension, it's just keeping everything tense and you're feeling anxiety about whether she's going to get things right or how people are going to react to her or what's going to happen with her and Tomas, I think is the guy's name, the creepy yes guy. And uh, so they're building tension in a lot of ways, I think all the time. Like the whole movie I feel like there's almost no part of the movie that doesn't feel tense. Uh, Maybe, like, even the party scene at the club is maybe the parts of that is maybe not feeling tense. But you're also sort of still feeling tense because you know that she has the performance the next day.
3: (laughs) It's almost like the whole time you're sharing, like, the tension with Nina. Like, when she's tense, you're tense
2: hmm
1: yeah maybe I I mean I said that it kind of take took the tension away f- from me or for me and I guess listening to you guys kind of talk about your uh what how you felt about it like I guess maybe for me maybe a better way to put it for me is like not so much that it takes the tension away but it shifts it in a way that is less horror bent than than others i guess it's more like the anxiety like you guys are talking about and it's more i ended up feeling like oh like like it made me feel more like i guess maybe sympathy for nina and be like just calm down girl you'll be okay like that's so that's what i wanted to you know be more like like probably a lot of the stuff is you're probably okay like that you know those were the like feelings like she's putting a lot of this on herself and that was, that was kind of the tragedy of it, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense.
0: Honestly, it does to me. It's funny because you guys are hitting on a lot of the questions that I sort of had ironed out within this section. But I'll hit on the point that you just made is, um, I guess for the rest of you as well, do you feel that ultimately Nina is a sympathetic character? Is she somebody that you feel like you you can understand that you're rooting for?
3: For me, and I don't know if my perspective's different because I'm a female, but for me, she's absolutely a sympathetic character. There's a lot of things in the movie, even though I've never been a ballerina, that I can absolutely relate to and I feel like... I felt a lot when I was watching the movie um, of pity and, and just, oh, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. There's the feeling of not being enough, not being good enough, wanting to impress everybody, and just wanting to have your moment. I, especially with like... she, You can tell she's so shy and even maybe a little ashamed of herself. That she wants to make up for it by being this perfect dancer. So I definitely can sympathize for her. And I wanted her to do well in the performance. Which she absolutely did. She crushed it. But then she died. So you know. Spoilers. Um... So, yeah, I definitely, I really liked this movie, in case you can't tell.
1: I don't know if you were going to ask this at some point, Steve, but did you guys feel like she died? I felt like I couldn't trust that either. Like, maybe she wakes up in the hospital the next day. I guess I could have believed that that could have happened.
0: I guess I viewed it as she was, if not treated, perhaps mortally wounded, but that she... ...could definitely be still saved. So, I I don't know. It's... ...another thing left ambiguous, but I... ...the fact that they don't show her die... ...at least says to me that... ...she maybe could have still been saved.
2: Yeah, I think they purposely leave that open-ended.
3: I guess, in my mind, she died because... The movie, to me, kind of paralleled the actual story of the swan queen who kills herself at the end. So I was just, yeah. I don't know. I assume that she did. That makes sense. Plus, it's kind of this thing like, oh, she's like actually the role now. Like, she's not just acting anymore. She is the black swan. Therefore, she must die when the swan dies.
0: For sure. That makes sense.
1: Maybe this goes into the, like, if you die in your mind, then maybe you die for real. But, like, I guess for me it was kind of a thing. Like, I think internally in her head she died. Like, she, like, that that was the narrative in her head. But, like, I could see uh, another, like, section of the story where she, like, wakes up in the hospital and is like, oh, crap, like, uh, you know, I, I kind of lost it there under all the pressure. And, yeah, I thought that I died, but I guess I, I'm i guess I'm okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, sort of just waking up and now having to live the rest of her life. Honestly, like, in, initially I was kind of like, ah, I wouldn't want to see that. But then thinking about Aronofsky, I was like, I don't know. He'd probably make that pretty compelling, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the other thing that got mentioned in at least the Charlie Rose interview was them talking about the ballet environment in general. And Mitz has touched on this too, so I thought it was worth bringing up to specifically address it. But they talked about the idea of how at least what they were seeing and shadowing dancers and ballerinas there is that there is sort of this tendency to... Infantilize the women involved with it to try and keep them small for logistical reasons so that they're better at dancing and carrying less weight, but then constantly calling them girls instead of women. Uh, Beth's character, one owner writer's character, being called his little princess by Thomas, and him talking down generally to basically all of the women having this sort of de facto father figure that all of these the way it's portrayed, little girls trying to please him. So I think there's definitely like this, this weird power dynamic within all of that as well. And I I don't know, I was kind of curious, at least on your perspective, Mitz, too, if that's at least part of what you're reacting to and saying that you could relate to Nina is sort of being kept as a child by the society that she's within or being forced to be a child within the society she's in.
3: Yeah, I guess sort of the idea that there's sort of this idea that you know women need to keep keep sweet and you know obedient and such
1: i'm not sure exactly where i'll go with this it just was an interesting scene to me though i guess or not it's not yeah, i'll just spit it out like i guess the the scene where like he quote unquote seduces her when they're dancing and like ends up like Grabbing her and touching her and all that and then being like that was me seducing you like now you need to seduce me and like that felt like another part of that whole dynamic and it's just like yes you're supposed to be kind of like kept as this sweet little girl but also like you're supposed to be the like sexual one and you're supposed to be the one like coming after me like figure it out do it right that I don't know seemed like a just part of that whole deal I guess.
0: I think one of the things too that's just sort of creepy about this film especially I think more people would realize that these days as well is just that Thomas is quite quite literally really like a sexual predator who's just taking his pick of the menu of the newest crop of girls coming through his dance studio and it's not confronted or addressed Or portrayed as particularly a negative thing necessarily by anyone except for who's been jilted. Like, Beth's upset because she's not in favor with him anymore, not because of the behavior in general. And, like, people will insult Nina as, like, oh, well, what did you do with him sexually to get the role, but won't insult him for requiring that in order to give the role. And so that part of the movie is definitely intentional, uh, but I think also adds to the creepiness of it as well.
1: Okay, I have a question kind of along with that. Uh when she goes, she gets the role, she goes into the bathroom, goes into the stall, comes out and horror is written on the mirror. Do you guys think that was some one of the other dancers or was that her who wrote that herself on the mirror? I think it was her. That was my takeaway too. I was I I guess I thought That was probably probably her uh, having some, like, internal guilt about something, I guess, that she... Yeah. Yeah.
3: Definitely agree.
0: I hadn't thought about that way before, but yeah, I would agree with that assessment.
2: Yeah, I I agree. And then I was also going to say, I think this kind of could probably fit in when we were talking about feminist horror in a way, because... Uh, there's maybe a certain element of horror that, uh, women have to go through this thing where they're, where they experience these power dynamics and Nina goes through that where she feels like if she doesn't, you know, get involved sexually with this guy that that power dynamic or that she's not going to get the things that she wants and then she's feeling, guilty about potentially doing that even though she's not really at fault so definitely there's a really big feminist element in the film with that and you see it all the time in Hollywood where all these stories come out about like people like Joss Whedon for example who had these kind of power dynamics with female actors and didn't think it was a problem at the time so I think it was interesting that the movie does address that but nobody it doesn't address it in a way where you think oh well feminism won this one it just kind of is in the movie as a thing that happens in the ballet world
0: yeah and and you hope that it's not something that happens frequently in the ballet world but i do like like you said showing those power dynamics because i think there's so much I know that this is a particularly heavy topic to get into this late in the episode, too, but just the whole concept of sexual assault, I think that there's a lot of people out there who would look at it and say, well, Nina went along with it, obviously. She kissed this guy, so there was no assault. She obviously was okay with it. But like you're saying, people are complex. The reasons that they make the choices they do are complex, and we don't all understand exactly why we're doing what we're doing even in the moment that we're doing it how many of us have spent lots of time analyzing our actions later and figuring things out about ourselves that we didn't realize so i really think that this movie does a decent job of illustrating that concept of yes you could look at this on the super surface level and say that these were Nina's choices with Thomas to be okay with kissing him. She, you know, bites him initially because she doesn't want to, but then she kisses him later because she does. And there's the seduction sequence. But I think that it's fair to say that if Nina wasn't going through this mental break during this, you know, and possibly dying at the end of this, if she survived this, that years later she might look back at this and say, like, I didn't feel like I had a choice. I felt like I was supposed to like this guy. I was supposed to do these things, but... I felt that way because he was holding all the cards and I had no choice but to play in order to get what I wanted out of this. And I think it's fair if she were to look back at these experiences the way it's portrayed in the movie and say, yes, this guy sexually assaulted me, even though it might have seemed to people that I was choosing to be involved in this relationship. And i am that's gotta happen just all the time in life so that's why i think whenever i see these situations where a woman comes out and you know oh years later she says that she was sexually assaulted it's because sometimes it takes fucking years to process the trauma that you've gone through and realize exactly what happened to you the mind's good at repressing things and holding things back and keeping us from seeing the dirty truth of what's happening to us at times so yeah years later someone might come out and say I was sexually assaulted for a thing that, at the time, I thought that I wanted, and it, it makes sense, it is valid. I, if you take anything away from this episode, I don't know how I managed to get it out the soapbox, is, trust that. Yeah, it may happen years later, but it takes a while to figure things out, and that doesn't mean that it's any less valid when the realization comes.
3: Yes, and I, I totally agree with that. I think some people don't realize that some things can even be sexual assault at the time. I mean, not to get dark, but uh, I am a teacher. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that on the podcast, but I'm a teacher. And sometimes I overhear students talking about dating people who are much older than them, as in not teenagers, or perhaps teenagers that are above 18. And I don't know what to do about that. But I know that they are going to realize one day that perhaps this relationship that you're in was something criminal. (laughs) And I I don't know how to say this without it being dark, but, you know, sometimes you're naive. You don't see the truth in what's going on. And I think Nina might be in that situation. But also, uh, it might just be accepted in this world. I I don't know the ballet world.
2: I I know I read a little bit... um about the movie and how some of the dancers and things like that that consulted on the film felt like it wasn't a very accurate portrayal of the dance world in actuality. Now, I'm sure basically in any industry or professional endeavor in which there are men that hold power over women, I'm sure this has happened probably numerous times. So, uh, you know, (laughs) I don't think it I don't think it doesn't ever happen in ballet. Uh, But yeah, just to add to what's been said there, um, I think that he was manipulating her into thinking that her being sexual with him was the key to unlocking her perfect performance and that was everything that she wanted. She wanted perfection and he made it seem like the way for that was for her to sleep with him. Uh, So, yeah, obviously, manipulation, sexual assault, I would say.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I I don't want to, I don't think that this movie is trying to say that this sort of thing is a systemic problem within ballet. I think it's just, that's what this particular story is. I don't think that this is something that happens all throughout ballet, necessarily, with the power dynamic with Tomás, but just that's where they happen to put their focus within this story and it's definitely I think a thing that happens all over the place and I'll even say too just I guess to make it clear like this power dynamic it's knows no gender bounds I'm sure it can happen and does happen the other way where you know there's a woman in power and a man who's not or whatever genders they may be whatever mix but that's the whole thing is the idea of the power dynamic.
3: I think also I mean, really, this extends beyond ballet and beyond performing arts because we've been talking about performing. And, of course, I this absolutely probably happens. But I'm sure that this happens in any profession where there is a power, power imbalance, where some places, maybe it's just acceptable to use that against people. And nobody questions it because it's just the way that this this works.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You guys have all, you know, hit anything, any points that I would make. I'm just adding my voice to, I agree with all that. And it's just the problem of using sex as a, as a manipulation Uh, is just terrible anywhere it is.
0: Well, if you've still stuck with us through all that conversation, go ahead and take a deep breath. We're all going (laughs) to take a deep breath and uh, just, yeah, relax. (laughs) Of course, if anyone wants to add anything to that, feel free. But I I figure we'll we'll move forward to other topics within the Black Swan movie. Uh, One of the things I think that you get a lot with Darren Aronofsky's films at least in my opinion here is that, uh, he has a way of making audiences uncomfortable and keeping them off balance. I think it's definitely true in Requiem for a dream. And I think that's also true in the movie mother, particularly those ones come to mind as having that same thing as well as this movie. So I was curious, did this movie, was it uncomfortable for you to watch?
2: Some of it was definitely uncomfortable. That freaking hangnail made me really uncomfortable. I forgot about that and I like started immediately cringing and I don't think Mitz had seen this before and she's like, what's going on? And she's like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) I think Steve, you'd said this so sorry to
1: borrow your words but like a lot of the stuff that made me the uh, most uncomfortable was not so much the like it was like the actual stuff that probably ballet dancers have to deal with, like the the like toe being split and uh also like when she's like getting stretched out and like the they like put her put their hand underneath her rib cage basically. It's just like, oh oh, ugh, oh that hurts.
3: Oh man, I wanted to be her in that scene. I was like Chiropract me up (laughs) that looked like i felt good
2: yeah i don't think any ballet dancer can watch this movie and not agree with her feet being like all fucked up and all the work that goes into shoes and i dated a ballet dancer in high school and i can definitely agree that the feet stuff is kind of hard to watch because their feet just get completely used up, man.
0: <laughs> you know, I dated a ballet dancer in high school, too, actually. In fact, she was my first kiss. But uh, I was kind of thinking about her during... Whenever I watch this, I always think about her as like, I man, I would just ask her a few questions about this. Like, how accurate do you feel like this is in this portrayal of things like... Yeah, have you had those experiences? The cracked toenail? Which, yeah, that definitely... That sequence and the the rib thing... Oh, man, those just make me uncomfortable. Like, okay, yeah, those are things that are probably actually happen. But, yeah, I don't know.
3: I, there was definitely cringy moments for me. Like, of course, nobody wants to see people rip their skin off. Like, that's just... Ugh. But I didn't find the overall film uncomfortable. I would I liked it a lot, but but I think because I connected so much with Nina that I felt I felt comfortable watching it cuz I felt like I was watching a part of myself a little bit. And honestly, when this movie came out, I was like 16 or 15 or 16 and I didn't see it at the time, but Tumblr was all the rage back then, and people, especially teenage girls, obsessed over this movie. And I think because there is so much in nina that that young girls can connect to in terms of like the pain and the wanting to be perfect thing so i don't know that helped me feel comfortable watching it even though it was gross a lot of the time
0: um i had some other questions written here but i really feel like we ended up kind of covering a lot of this as we talked i just we've already talked about aronofsky at least for at least some of us did a good job of putting us in the headspace of Nina and kind of following along with her as she's experiencing these things. Um, So we all felt at least some degree of discomfort while watching this movie, that it was somewhat uncomfortable. Do you feel that that discomfort is a feature of this being horror, or do you think it is just running parallel to the horror threads within this film? is the discomfort that we felt watching it a a feature of horror or adjacent to it?
2: Uh, I think some of the discomfort you feel in the, in the film is definitely adds to the horror tension Uh, because a lot of the discomfort that I have is around like the various injuries. And I think those get kind of progressively worse and lead more into the body horror. So I think it's, But there is some discomfort that's just like the feelings of inadequacy and not being able to achieve perfection that are kind of exist in their own bubble apart from horror. Uh, So I I do think that there's maybe two types of discomfort in the movie. uh, And they kind of sort of blend into each other or blend out of each other as the film progresses.
1: Yeah, uh, I think uh, the physical like discomfort stuff, I think does that is maybe what pushes it over to horror for me. Because um, if I'm just trying to think about it as as you were talking, Matt, and as you were asking the question, Steve, like if that if the like physical stuff, physical discomfort stuff that I felt during it was taken out, I think it would be a different tone for me for sure. And I'm not sure I would call it horror at that point.
0: So you really felt like it added to the overall classification, then?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I honestly was on the edge about whether to call this horror or not, um, and I, th- I think that maybe did end up pushing it over the edge for me. I hadn't thought about that until you asked that question, um, but just trying to think of taking all that out, I, I think it would. I would have been on the other, just maybe, just barely, but mm-hmm. on the other side of the fence when all. All said and done if that stuff was
0: taken out, I think that's where I weigh in on it too. I think it it's an essential element in putting it into the horror category yeah all right, did anyone have i that's basically covers what I had as far as questions. Did anyone have anything else they wanted to talk about with this film, whether it was horror or not or just anything else they wanted to discuss?
2: I just would uh, want to draw attention to the cinematography. I thought it was really interesting, uh, like I had mentioned earlier, especially the parts where you can't really, where they kind of blend Nina and Lily and Nina's mom's faces together in a lot of the scenes, so you kind of are not sure. Well, you, could, you understand the feeling of, how these three characters are kind of blending into one character in a way. So that was particularly interesting how they did that. I was going to bring
1: up that same thing. I that it was really good.
2: And uh, another
1: thing with the cinematography was uh, uh, Steve and I talked about this kind of during and right after watching it is how hard some of the shots must have been to do with how many mirrors are in the movie. Like, I don't know, that seemed like it would be really tough.
0: Yeah, it's there's so many mirrors in the film and so much use of that for symbolism of the whole duality of you know her white and dark nature, I guess. And then uh but yeah, the the technical issues of having to shoot around so many mirrors all the time, especially with how much they get you right into the dancing and put the camera up close as they're dancing to try and show you all that motion, like having all those mirrors in the background of any of those sequences, that must have been a lot to deal with. All right. Any other thoughts?
1: 10 out of 10 would turn into a swan again.
0: <laughs> a where, swan
1: A swan I, I like that term.
0: All right. Well, that about does it for us. Thank you for joining us at Is It Horror? The next episode, we are going to be covering the first episode of the new Last of Us television show. Uh, We're not going to be discussing whether or not it's horror, but we'll be doing a review of it. So join us back here in two weeks for that. And I have been Steve.
1: I'm Joe. I'm
0: Matt. And I am
3: Mitz. Farewell! quack
0: quack or whatever swans say thanks for joining us at is it horror we post new episodes every other friday think we didn't give this movie a fair shake think we missed something do you have a suggestion for future episodes or did you just want to say hi if so you can follow us on twitter or instagram at is it horror pod or you can email us at is it horror podcast at gmail.com in the meantime stay safe and keep asking yourself Is it
1: horror?